This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Mets 840 is a first pitch tonight at City Field against the Toronto Blue Jays. Chris Bassett, the former Met against Justin Verlander, the current Met. So the Mets looking to see if they can continue their winning ways. Three-game sweep of the Philadelphia Phillies. And hey, pitching the secret, right? Only allowed a couple of earned runs against the Phils. See if they can keep that going against the Toronto Blue Jays today. I actually talked to the uh, Blue Jays manager, John Schneider, earlier today on the uh, the baseball show. And um, this is a team that is dangerous. Look, I picked the Blue Jays to be in the World Series. Uh, back at the beginning of the season. They have an incredible amount of talent. They haven't been firing on all cylinders just yet, but they've got guys that could, you know, on any given day, they could just beat the hell out of a pitching staff, and and that's what makes them so dangerous. Uh, The pitching staff from top to bottom has maybe been a little bit lackluster in certain spots, starting with Alec Manoa, the guy who was a Cy Young finalist last year, and now you could even make the argument maybe he doesn't even deserve to be in the starting rotation anymore. That's how much of a disappointment he's been. I mean, the other day, like his previous start, they got him out of the game in the fourth inning, and he only allowed like one or two runs. But it was almost like, okay, he hasn't set the game on fire yet, so let's cut our losses and just, you know, it's like, let's quit while we're ahead. That's what it's come to with this guy, and it's really, really surprising because um, I thought this kid was ticketed for big things, and he still can be. This could just be one of those bad years. But for some reason, the stuff now is very, very hittable. I don't know what happened to him during the offseason, however which way it might be. But, you know, the Blue Jays have had a very up-and-down season, and yet when you take a step back, they still have a winning record. Right? They're 30 and 27, like the Mets. Right? The Mets have been through a lot this year. But if you look at it from 60,000 feet, you're still three games over 500. It's not like you're a complete and total disaster like some of these other clubs. Right? I mean, you could be the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, the Phillies are, you know, six games under 500 right now. The Cardinals are seven games under 500. These teams are playing winning baseball. Now is the time where you got to start to kick this thing into high gear because we're entering the summer months. And I know it's a long season, but now is when you want to start to play your good baseball and get into a nice little groove up until the trade deadline of August 1st. And to give your front office and to give your management, right, give them some confidence, inspire them to want to go out there and make moves and be proactive that are going to give you the best chance to be successful in October. Not just to kind of like dip your toe in the water like you did last year and bring in guys like Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelback and Tyler Naquin. Guys that didn't help them at all, and that's why they couldn't buy a, you know, a meaningful hit to save their lives, whether it was against the Atlanta Braves late in the season or against the uh, San Diego Padres in that wild card series at City Field. Nevertheless, uh, we'll see what happens here. But this should be a good weekend uh, at the ballpark. Mets Hall of Fame tomorrow. They're inducting some guys for fans to care about that. Howie and Gary on the, uh, the announcing side. Jay Horowitz, longtime PR guy. And Hojo, Al Leiter, two really, really good Mets. And you got to be a little bit older to remember Hojo. I, I mean, I was a kid on those Hojo, when Hojo was a Met. He was a really, really good player. I mean, you wouldn't think of it, but I mean, the guy led the league in RBIs one year. He was a 30-30 player. Really, really good kind of the problem with Hojo and why he kind of I always say like the reason why Hojo kind of falls through the cracks a little bit in in, in Met lore and isn't maybe as celebrated as some of these other guys are. You know, he made he made two all star teams with the Mets is because his Met teams when he was an everyday player. Remember, Hojo wasn't an everyday player in 86 when they won. 
He really only became an everyday guy the following year in 87. And he was kind of like a jack of all trades. You know, he played third, played some short. You know, they even had him play in the outfield once in a while. But remember, his teams, when he was an everyday guy, they never won. Right? I mean, you know, 88, they got to the playoffs. They won the division, and then they got upset by the Dodgers. We remember that. But then, you know, 89 was a huge year for him. Uh, He finished fifth in the MVP in 89, finished fifth in the MVP in 91. Those two teams didn't even make the playoffs. Remember, that was pre-wild card. So I think the fact that, you know, those teams ultimately came up short, and that was also, remember, you were moving away from that 86 group. You know, that championship core with Gary and Keith, and then ultimately, you know, Daryl moved on when he left to go to the Dodgers. Like, you started to break away from that championship group and ushering in a new era of Mets baseball. And, and, and let's be frank, you know, you got to the 90s, and especially like the early 90s into up until about, you know, 97-ish, Mets were bad. You know, Mets were bad. You know, they had the worst team money could buy in, you know, 92 when they spent all that money bringing in, you know, the, the Bobby Bonillas and the Brett Saberhagens and Eddie Murray's and Willie Randolph, and it was just a disaster. So the Mets went through a lot of lean years there until, you know, Bobby Valentine was hired and Steve Phillips took over as the GM, and then they made that trade once upon a time 25 years ago for a guy named Mike Piazza, and then uh, the rest is history. Al Leiter, you know, signed as a free agent. You know, and and was part of those teams as well to give him a bona fide starting pitcher. So uh, it should be a fun time. And, you know, it's always good. It's important when teams, you know, acknowledge and and, and pay tribute to, to important figures from their past that, like I said, unfortunately, kind of fall through the cracks a little bit here. So that's why it should be a nice day tomorrow out there. At City Field. Dan, here's a question for you. Yes, sir. It was discussed on the K-Show. I wonder what your take would be on it. That is the Michael K-Show, of course. That's right. I'm familiar yes, with sir. the program. Sure. Uh, what's the order going to be in terms of speeches? Like, who do you think gives the first speech, second speech? Like, where's that going to land? I, I don't Does Gary if... go before Howie? I, I, they probably... Look. And Hi! I say this... Go Mets! Yay! <laughs> that's, that's what they... <laughs> Um, I say this as a broadcaster, okay? Fans don't really, not to say that those two guys are, are, are not 100% deserving to be in the Mets Hall of Fame. They are, okay? Ralph Kiner's in the Hall of Mets Hall of Fame, Bob Murphy. I don't know if Lindsey Nelson is. He might be. Uh, but when you think about, like, the classic Met announcers, like, that, you know, Gary Cohen, Howie Rose, they've, you know, been Met announcers for close to 30 years. More. You know what I'm saying? So, like... They're part of the fabric of their team, but they're not players. And at the end of the day, the players are still the ones ultimately they're going to carry the most weight. And I say that as a broadcaster, as an announcer, you know, the announcers should not come above the players. So I would think, you know, you get Gary and Howie out of the way first, and then you save the players after that, you know, Lighter and Hojo. Probably, even though Hojo, that's an interesting question. Because like I said, Hojo's got like a weird kind of, like when you think about his legacy as a Met. Yes, he's got the World Series ring, you know, from 1986, but he wasn't an everyday player on that 86 team. And as a matter of fact, Game 6, by the way, the Mookie Wilson, Bill Buckner play, Hojo was the on-deck hitter. I don't know how many people know that, but, you know, the ball that went through Bill Buckner's legs, which ended the game, game six, Hojo was the on-deck hitter. So if, let's just say Mookie beat the play at the plate, or beat the play at first, and Buckner fielded the ball cleanly, maybe Hojo gets an opportunity to go up to the plate 
and be a hero. Who the heck knows? But like I said, he was a good Met. Lighter. Lighter was very good as well. Lighter was part of the team that went to the World Series in 2000. Uh, which lost to the Yankees. Al was outstanding pitching that, you know, game five, even though he gave up a, you know, a 35 hopper up the middle to Luis Soho, but he left it all out there on the mound. 99 the year before, remember, Al pitched that game 163 in Cincinnati, pitched a complete game gem to get the Mets into the playoffs where they then beat Arizona. You know, he had a lot of big moments in a Met uniform. I don't want to make you feel old. Yeah. I don't remember 2000. Well, I know you don't because not you're the a way, young guy. Not the way I should. No, I, not the Like, way I've you seen should. the video, like, a thousand times. Right. But I don't remember, like, I can't remember 2000. Can I tell you this? From, this is just from a Met perspective, so I don't want you to be turned off by it because, this, you know, we're talking about the Met Hall of Fame thing. Even though the 2000 team went to the World Series, yeah. I still think that if they played, like, a best of seven, the 99 team was better than the 2000 team. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the 99 team went to the LCS. They lost to the Braves in six games. But remember, the 99 team had John Olerud at first base. You know, Zeal came in 2000. I love Todd. Todd's a buddy. But John Olerud was a special player. Um, In uh, 99, you know, Benitez was still the setup guy for John Franco. 2000, they flip-flopped. 2000, Mike Hampton came onto the team, and he had himself a big year, and he was the MVP of the LCS. I don't know. There was just something about that 99 team. You know, Ventura, I thought, had a better year in 99 than he did in 2000. I, I just think that, that that team was really special, you know? And, and, and the problem with 99 is that they ran into the Braves. They couldn't beat the Atlanta Braves. I joked with, you know, Steve Phillips, who was the GM of those teams, and, you know, he's a buddy of mine. I joke with them all the time. The only reason the Mets made the World Series in 2000 is because they didn't have to play the Braves in the playoffs because the Cardinals beat the Braves in the division series. They did the Mets a favor. That was the one team that they could not beat. And that's the only reason why the Mets got to the World Series and then lost to the Yankees in five. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and I, it's funny. You can't remember that. I remember those years like it was yesterday. Yeah, that was like weird. Was I, was, I was six. I mean, I had to get woken up for the Aaron Boone walk-off. And that was in 2003. Yeah. That was school well, to go I mean, to, Dan. Yeah, that's. I mean, you're a, you're a dedicated academic guy. You know, you went of to Fordham and achieved great things. So, yeah. Think about that. If you stayed up to watch the Game 7 Aaron Boone, Tim Wakefield, you might not even have gotten to Fordham. You might have been at some, you know, community college. That could, have been, that could have been the change. That could have been right? the difference. Nothing wrong with community college either, by the way. No, none whatsoever. But, I mean, you wouldn't have gotten to Fordham. You wouldn't have been part of the Ramley, as oh, they say. And who doesn't love the Ramley? The Ram- I mean, the Ramley are great people, right? All Rams. All Rams, baby. Uh, let us say hi. Let's get a phone call in here as I go blabbering on about the Mets Hall of Fame. But it should be a lot of fun. But, th- but let me also say, like, when you ask me about the, the order and, and, and things like that, I don't know how much they really kind of pump it out, if you will. Like, I don't know how long. It's not going to be like, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame ceremony to where this thing is going to drag on for like an hour and a half. They want to get this thing in, out, like, and wrapped up in probably, I would say, no more than 20 minutes to a half hour. So order really doesn't matter is what you're I saying. Don't think There's so. not a lot of thought in it. It's like, who wants no. to speak first? 
It's it's they're literally going to get like probably two minutes to speak each of them. You know, they're going to probably have one video tribute, a comprehensive tribute, which encapsulates all of their careers with the Mets. And they're going to put that up there like a video collage, if you will. And then they're going to, you know, recognize each one. They're going to pose for a picture next to like the plaque. They're going to go up to the podium and say a couple of words, blah, blah, blah. And then they're going to play baseball. What's is the afternoon game tomorrow? So what is it? A four o'clock game? Probably. I would say, yeah. Ceremony might start around... 4.10, yep. Yeah, oh, it's a 4 o'clock game. Ceremony will probably start like just after 3.30 or right around 3.30, and it'll go about a half hour. Well, they get a pitch clock. Yeah, right. There's going to be a speech clock, like the Oscars. You're only going to get like X amount of time to speak. If not, they, you know, start to play off. Actually, they're going to have... Timmy Trumpet is going to make an encore appearance at at Citi Field tomorrow, and he's going to start playing the trumpet if one of those speeches goes on too long. Chris Rock is a Met fan, right? Oh, he's a big Met fan, yeah. Is Will Smith? I don't know if Will Smith is a baseball fan. Ah. I would just, no, well, no, I mean, if Will, well, I mean, if you go by Will Smith and his background, he should be a Phillies fan, but is he? You would think so. I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever seen Will Maybe Smith. Maybe that's at a where Phillies the beef game. was, really. Let's be honest. Yeah, right. Exactly. See, everybody, nobody knows exactly what went down, but the whole Will Smith, Chris Rock thing, it was an old NL East rivalry type thing. It was a Mets Phillies argument that ensued. And it carried over, you know, onto the stage in front of millions and millions of people. Is there another Taylor Swift concert tonight or no? I think she announced her international uh, tour dates. Oh, she's got an international tour? She's going uh, overseas? A little Brazil. Brazil! Colombia, I believe. When is that? Gotta look it up. But I saw is they Aaron, were announced today. Is Aaron Boy, she could put oh, on a show, huh? Brazil in uh, Sao Paulo, the 25th and the 26th of November. Well, he can't go to those, because don't, don't we have a game? The, when, when is Thanksgiving with the Black Friday game? We always have a game day. <laughs> Well, I mean, now we have literally done on a Friday. It's uh, the 24th. So, th- so Jets play on the 24th. The concerts in, in Sao Paulo, Brazil are on the 25th and the 26th. Jets have the weekend off. So The Jets going right to Brazil. At, right. Aaron Rodgers plays Friday, lights the uh, Dolphins up for three or four touchdowns. With the Falcons he- the next week? Oh. No, you get, the extra, and you get the extra couple of days. Right. So you know that he's gone. He is going to be in Brazil. He's going to be hanging out at, uh, you know, Ronaldinho's house or something like that. And uh, they're going to check out some concerts. Unbelievable. All right, let's get to some calls here. Tommy in Connecticut. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tom, how we doing? Good evening. What's happening? Tom, we're good, bud. What's up? I I, I did get a quick chuckle earlier when uh, Anthony in a mail truck was bringing up something that happened a year and a half ago. Um, Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with me, but like when I call in and I get put on hold, I have to jot down what I wanted to talk about <laughs> with the call screener just in case I'm on hold for a half an hour. So maybe I'm a goldfish as far as memory goes. I think, Tom, would... I think we're all there. You know what I mean? It's the passage of time. It's it, it happens. I can't I can't remember what I had for lunch today, to be quite honest with you. No, couldn't tell you. Um but before I make my Yankees point, I was, yeah. you, you made a fantastic point. I know college football coaches can be uh, – you know, kind of snake oil salesman, but right. imagine having to re-recruit your class every year as well as trying to recruit high school seniors. I mean, that's uh, who's got time it's, for that? It, it's it's literally like there's there's free agency 
it seems yeah. like each and every year now in college sports. Um, and then I think the guys deserve it. I mean, guys and gals, you know, because they've been doing it for free. So, I mean, go for, well, they you know, deserve get- it, but, but it's just so screwy now. And look, I don't know if it's going to continue like this. I really don't like five years from now. What's the landscape of college sports going to look like? I-, I-, I couldn't tell you because there is still so much novelty to this whole thing. But here's the problem, for example, with like college hoops and I'm, I'm huge college hoops guy. So, the transfer portal has just been insane the last couple of years. Like there have been hundreds upon hundreds of guys who threw their name into the transfer portal. Some of them moved on. Some of them didn't. But there's a window for that, Tom. You know what I mean? Like there was only up until a certain deadline to where the NCAA allowed you to transfer if you put yourself in the portal. Okay, great. Windows done or the, or the, the, uh, the, the, the transfer window is done. You think that the guys who you have on your team, you're going to have on your team. Nope, because there's another loop poll because players who are graduate students which means you know they, they they still have another year of eligibility but they have their diploma the grad students can still transfer beyond the normal window and that's what happened to one guy from my Rutgers team he he up and leaves and now he's in the portal and he's getting wined and dined by four big schools I, I mean it's ridiculous yeah and imagine uh, actually Alan brought it up uh, on the midday show which I didn't know. So I guess back up until late seventies, early eighties, you used to be able to get drafted. And then if you didn't like where you got drafted, you could say, I'm no, I'm going to go back. So imagine if you combined that with the transfer portal and you could be like, ah, you know, I'm, well, I'm, you know, they kind all, of all have, have it, it, it's not the full draft, which, and this part I actually think is, is fair. And I like it. You can enter the NBA draft but you have the ability to withdraw. And that window expired, I think, a couple of days ago. So, like, for example, um, I'm a so- you know, yeah, the like, deadlines. Like, I'm a, I'm a sophomore, I'm a junior. I'm a good player, but maybe I'm not quite ready for the NBA. So what I'll do is I'll enter my name in the draft. I'm going to meet with te- – and I can hire an agent, too, as long as they're certified. Um, I meet with teams – they give me like a scouting report. I'll even work out with teams and they'll tell me, oh, yeah, I think you could be a first round pick. I think you could be a second round pick, depending on all that information you get. And then you're potentially going to look to see if there's professional opportunities overseas for you where you can make money. You gather all that info together. If you're comfortable with it, you either stay in the draft. If not, withdraw. I'm going back to school for another year to see if I can up my stock. That part, I actually think is good for the players, because think about how many guys, Tom, went into the draft stupidly, didn't even get drafted, and then they were up a creek without a paddle. Well, yeah, you're getting buried in the G League, or like right. you said, you got to go go play in Australia. Um, and, that, and listen, the NCAA dug their own grave with this because they could have gotten ahead of it and taken care of these players before they took them. To, you know, ended up losing the court. You know, they could they could have gotten ahead of the problem, and they didn't. No, you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. What's your uh, What's your Yankee point here? Oh, uh, just as far as the like the onslaught of guys coming back in one shot, which is great. You know, you gotta you gotta have healthy bodies. But um, it kind of sucks that uh, Oswaldo Cabrera got optioned back to Scranton because he, I know he wasn't hitting, but I love that kid's energy and what he brought to the locker room. Um, anytime he got interviewed by Meredith after the game was just, it just I don't know, just made me smile. I, he just brought a lot of joy to baseball. So. I hope we see him back up again, which the way the the Yankees get hurt, I mean, there's probably a a pretty good chance we will. Yeah, like you said, I think because guys are dropping like flies all the time. Tommy, thanks for the phone call. Here's the thing with Cabrera, though. Got to produce, right? 
Got to produce. Bottom line business, as they say, right? Got to produce. Peraza, meantime, he's tearing it up down in the minor leagues, and he wasn't exactly lighting it up when he was up here, but you're going to get a chance. You know, it's a bottom line business. You have to produce. By the way, the Mets made it official. Kodai Senga is going to start on Sunday in the finale of the three-gamer against Toronto. Why is that significant? Because this is going to be the first time all season where Senga actually starts on normal rest. They have been giving him an extra day of rest all year to mimic the way that they do it in Japan. Japan, he get five days rest. And that's what they were doing with Senga. So it's nice that he's going to start to pitch on normal turn, which is you know what you would hope as a big league pitcher. I actually will read a little bit deeper into it, and I think the only reason they're doing it is not so much with the rest and the schedule. It's because the game is at home, right? The game is at home, and then after that, they're going to Atlanta. And if you've watched Senga all year, he's been outstanding at City Field. He's got like a one-point-something ERA at home. On the road, his ERA is over six. So the last thing they want is for him to go down to Atlanta, pitch a big game against the first-place Braves, and potentially get trashed. Let's say hi to Robert in New York. He is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Robert, good evening. How are you? Hey, Dan, my friend. You know, listen, thank God you're with us for three hours. Because if you weren't here, I'd have to be doing some serious channel surfing, looking for some iconic Western like uh, Yellowstone Kelly with Clint Walker from 1959. But I can do that another time. We got you. What about Shane? Why don't you look up to see when Shane is on? Oh, Shane. You listen, when I think of Shane, I think of that little boy. Talents, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mommy, Shane, come back. Mommy, have more work. Please, Lee. Uh, Anyway, let's uh, talk a little sports. Now, look, I know that I'm going to be the only one bringing this up. 24 hours from now, another series is going to begin. Now, this is very interesting. Uh, Your um, screener said to me something interesting. I thought it was going to be like ABC or somebody. No, no. They're giving it to TNT, and yep. that means that everybody's favorite, Kenny Albert, whom I love dearly. Kenny, Love listen, Kenny. Kenny could, Dear friend, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Albert. Yep. Listen, Kenny can stand on his nose, and he can sing the aria from La Boheme in Farsi, and it would be exciting. I'm not sure anybody would understand it, but he's going to be doing it. Anthony, can you confirm if uh, Kenny knows Farsi or not? Just send him a text or whatever. <laughs> Well, anyway, anyway, uh, here's my question to you. Listen, there's no basketball on tomorrow. Can you imagine if the NBA were running up against this? That, that'd make the well, little bighorn. That's why they don't do it. That'd make, that'd make the little bighorn look like, a, look like a, a, a tea party. Anyway, <laughs> do you, do you want to guess what the ratings for tomorrow night are going to be? I don't know. What do you think? I, I, and look, I'm as big a hockey guy as anybody. I think you know that. I'm going to just, yes. and, and I don't want to throw cold water on it, and it would, <laughs> would freeze anyway because it's ice, but um, I don't think this is going to be one of the stronger rated Stanley Cup finals for a couple of reasons. Number I, one, I know what you're going to say. I know what well, you're going to say. Number one, it's two teams that are not exactly um, national powers. I mean, I, look, Vegas is essentially still an expansion team. I still, I still almost consider the Florida Panthers an expansion team, and they've been around for 30 years just because, to me, I remember when you know, they became a thing. It's like, wow, we got a team in Florida. So you don't have exactly two flagship franchises. That's number here's one. A question. Here's a yeah. question I have. Even if it were, say, Connor McDavid going up against the grade A, I still think the ratings would be, uh, I don't know. But, but again, you see, here's the thing. What surprises me also is, you know, there are some of us who like to hear the games 
on the radio. I have to say something about myself that you don't know. I only say it. I happen to be visually disabled or visually challenged, whatever you want to call it. So I love listening to it. Yeah. Well, you don't want. Let's put it this way. You don't want me to be driving on the freeway. But that's another question. Well, Robert, not, not for nothing, and I hope for the safety of mankind. I, I mean, <laughs> you shouldn't be operating a vehicle if you say no, you're no, legally no. impaired. But here's a question. Now, you know, um, Westwood One apparently is covering this on the radio. Right. Because, the, uh, you know, it used to be, and I remember coming back on an airplane once on a cross-country trip, and I was just lucky enough to catch... Sirius XM, because one of these airlines had Sirius XM radio, and Channel 80 is a sports station, and who do you think was doing the Stanley Cup? Kenny Albert. Kenny, and so was on, on Westwood One Radio, right, the National Westwood One Radio. Now, do yep. you think, for example, I'll tell you this one station that surprises me a lot, Bloomberg Radio, uh, which is on the AM dial, Sure. Uh, occasionally does sports things. You know, they, they used to cover, they still do actually Notre Dame football. once upon a time, Robert. There's a trivia Did question you what? for you. I used to Is do some again? Bloomberg stuff back in the day. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. How about uh, that? Well, you know, listen, you know what? Tomorrow night, there's nothing running up against it. Uh, <laughs> I, I listen, you know, listen, I understand what it is about the about the NHL, and I understand what their problems are, but I'm going to be watching it. Number one, there is no NBA, and uh, it, it's, it's the kind of thing I'm fascinated for one reason. If I had my druthers, this mm-hmm. next two weeks, we could have sports history being made, two eight seed taken on two champions, you know, maybe yeah. winning. Unfortunately, I don't think the Heat are going to oblige me on this one. I, In fact, I think the Heat will win... I'm hoping then that the that the um, uh, NHL goes seven games. I hope they both go seven games. And Robert, thanks for the phone call as always. I appreciate it. He, he, here's the bottom line, and you know, remember these games are on TNT this year in the Stanley Cup Final. Bottom line is this: if you're a hockey fan, you're myself, you're Anthony Pusick, you're a lot of other you know hockey fans out there. You're going to find the game. You'll be able to find the game. You know where it's at. You know, I was thinking about that phone call that we just took with uh, Robert. It was Robert, right, Anthony? Yeah, I think so. Like, I'm a little nervous now. Like, he was, you know, like, talking about how he can't see and, you know, he's having vision problems or whatever, but he's talking about, like, operating a vehicle. Like, Robert, don't get behind the wheel. You don't want me behind the wheel. (laughs) Please. I don't want to be be on the same road as you if that's the case, if I'm five miles ahead of you. I mean, that's, like, dangerous stuff. Jeez. Please, use caution. Let's say hi to uh, Tim in Queens, who is up next. Timmy, good evening. How are you? How you doing? Tim, I'm great. What's up? Yeah, I think you're very informative. And this is coming from a guy, Dan, that goes back to talk radio. The 1970s, Art Ross Jr. Art Ross I'm sure Jr. There him, you go. Okay. <laughs> and listen to this. I, I got to ask you this question before oh, I get sure. to the Jets. Mm-hmm. There was a station, FM, mm-hmm. it was hard to pick up, but it was from mm-hmm. Fordham University in the 70s, and I used to get it. It was on Saturday and Sunday nights, mm-hmm. and you know who was on this show? Three guys who you recognize right away. Mike Green, Paul Dettino, 
Annual and Michael K. That's one on one. New York's one on longest one. running sports call-in show. Yeah, and there used to be this poor guy. His name was Mr. Red Sox. Oh, did they ever give it to this guy? <laughs> but here's what I want to ask you. Michael yes, K., when he was on that program, he mm. always said he was a Ranger fan, a Knicks fan, a Yankee fan, of course, and a Jet fan. Mm-hmm. So I called him up a couple months ago. And asked him, and he, he won't admit to me that he's a Jet fan. I don't understand why, because I used to hear him all the time when he was on that show in the 70s saying he was a Jet fan. Mike Mike K said he was a Jet fan? Michael K, yes. I, I thought, I know Breen is a Jet fan. Yeah, I don't know and about... a Mets fan. And right. Paul Dettino was a Giant fan. He's working for the Giants and for many is. years yeah, now. My God, yeah. Right. And Michael K said he was a Ranger fan on the show, a Knicks fan, a Yankee fan, which I knew, and a Jet fan. But meanwhile, I asked him, are you a Jet or a Giant fan? He, he wouldn't answer me. I just couldn't really get uh, over yeah. I, I don't. I don't know <laughs> if I ever had that conversation with him, Tim, to be honest with you. But it, it, I'm, like I said, you're, you're on top of this. If he said he was a Jet fan, then maybe we're going to have to, uh, Anthony, you're going to have to put that on the agenda for Monday. How about that? What's yeah, your uh, Jet please, question? Because I'm going to be listening at uh, 3 o'clock, and I just want to, you know, I just don't know why you didn't admit it to me. Because, like I said, uh, Mike Breen, all these guys, I knew what they were Met fans, uh, Yankee fans, and Giant fans. But he, you know, just wouldn't deny. He won't uh, say he's a Jet fan. Anyway, getting about these Jets. Yeah. Alexander, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. The kicker from San Diego State, who they worked out last week, mm-hmm. and Frank Clark or Dominic Sue, if I'm saying his name correctly, mm-hmm. you think any of these guys have a chance of getting signed? I really like that kicker from San Diego State. You know, I really um, do. Believe it or not, I would probably – Matt Arise is his name, by the way. Um, yeah, I actually think he got in a little trouble, but now he, he, he got into okay. trouble. But, you know, once the facts came out, it turns out he wasn't, you know, uh, wasn't at the scene. And real quick, not to interrupt, Justin Verlander, second pitch of the game uh, or first pitch of the game. Rather, uh, George Springer takes it over the center field wall. So one nothing Blue Jays. Um, no, I, I think that Ariza would be a situation unless another team comes calling because the Jets worked him out already. Like you said, that's a guy that mm-hmm. you could sign him. And maybe you can even stick him on a practice squad and just keep him around. Because the thing with Thomas Morstead, Thomas Morstead's only on a one-year deal. So I don't know if he's yeah, going to be here long term. Yeah, he's getting $1.1 Yeah, one-year deal. So I, mean, I think that's kid, a possibility. I want this kid away from Buffalo. If he ever goes back to Buffalo, he's a weapon. This he's not going back to Buffalo. This be a tremendous weapon. He's not going back to us. Buffalo. He, he's not. Tim, Timmy, thank you for the phone call. He, he won't go back to Buffalo because think about it. Buffalo... Um, look, I mean, he turned out to be innocent and, you know, he might look at it and his, you know, legal team might look at it as if Buffalo didn't stand behind him. But again, it was such a murky situation back then. And especially with the climate and the tenor of our society and how it is, I I don't know if, I don't know if there's a team out there that would have handled it any differently than the Buffalo Bills did. And if they did handle it differently, they probably would have been ripped to shreds. Dan, did you know that trivia question, by the way? Not the Michael K. Jet thing. That we have to figure out. But I, I knew that the, the show on Fordham was, you know, their claim to fame is like the longest running. The longest running sports call yeah. show, one-on-one. Now, were you ever part of the one-on-one? I was. Now, here's another question I have. Yes. It's called one-on-one, but he just said there were three guys on it. So wasn't it three-on-one? So when I did it, yeah. um, host, co-host, update guy or girl 
um, producer engineer. And I was behind the board more often than not, as you can imagine. Right. Doing updates here and there. But when we did it, yes, it was one-on-one with one with a host and a co-host. But back then it was three-on-one. Apparently. Yeah. Well, you and got now, three good guys. You want to get them all on at the same time. And now possible. there's YouTube and Zoom and all the guys up there do a great job. You could you can get it on demand and everything. They, they do a fantastic job up there. And they're part of the Ramily. They are part of the Ramily. Look at that. You guys. You, get, you guys got it all figured out. How about Rutgers that? Rutgers play Fordham this year in basketball? No, right? They haven't finalized the out-of-conference schedule. I saw something today that it looks like they might be um, scheduling a couple of the Jersey schools like FDU and St. Peter's, but I have not seen Fordham. I think you and I would have to go to that, right? We'd be obligated. Uh, yeah. I, I'd lo- I haven't been to... I have not been... How about this? I have not been to a game in the... At the rack, if you will. I don't know where the game is going to be played, but I have not been inside the rack, my God, in probably 20 years, just off the top of my head. Wow. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. People from the school, they keep like hitting me up like, when are you going? When are you going to a game? And even the fo- I haven't been to a football game probably in 15 years. That one makes you a know? little more sense, though, no? Well, Your Sundays so- are kind of busy. Well, the su- right, exactly. It's like my Sundays are all eaten up. And so, like, you know, my Saturdays will then be at a game, too. I would like to stay married. Probably. Probably. Think, you know, <laughs> I think, you know. No, but if I went to the game, she'd tag along. And after, I mean, that's where we met for crying out loud. So, they I wouldn't. mean, it's okay going to Rutgers. You know, that's, that's, that's where we, uh, you know, first made acquaintances with one another. So it's, it would be like a homecoming. But no, I just, I'd love to get to a game. Let's put it that way. And you know me, I'm all about the basketball. I mean, I'm constantly talking, you know, off your ear about that. But it's just so hard to fit it into the schedule. That's the problem. We're busy, like, every day of the week. There's oh, no we know. Uh, our, our September, October, November. I will try to winter. get... I will try to get to Fordham St. John's at MSG, though. I wanted to go last year when Rutgers played Michigan State at MSG. I was thinking about going to that one. But then I found that it was like a noon start, and we have the show on Saturday till noon. And so it wouldn't have been practical for me to then go after, you know. So, But if we get one of these, like, neutral games where maybe we could go, like, we're going to have to make it a point to go. Agreed. We'll call the people we know, see if we can facilitate it, and, and so on and so forth. Mets underway at City Field. Blue Jays have jumped out to a one to nothing lead. George Springer with a leadoff home run to dead center against Justin Verlander, the former UConn Husky. George Springer. By the way, did you see these reports that UConn is thinking about hightailing it to the Big 12? And remember, the Big 12 is in scramble mode right now. Why? Losing Oklahoma, losing Texas to the SEC, and they're trying to just like plunder schools from other conferences so they could save face and have a league. Well, now they're looking at UConn, but here's the thing. UConn would be doing it because of football. Football is the cash cow nationally. But we know as far as UConn's concerned, their football program doesn't measure up to their basketball program. I mean, they're the national champs, for crying out loud. You know, UConn, is, if they're not there yet, they're becoming ever so close to being termed a quote-unquote blue blood as far as college basketball is concerned. They belong in the Big East for basketball, but the Big East doesn't play football. So they would up and move to the Big 12 just to appease the football people to get the football money, which is still going to supersede anything that they would gain revenue-wise, even if you're a national championship program on the hardwood. I hope it doesn't happen. I love the Big East, love the matchups, love the rivalries, but if there's a dollar to be made, 
They're going to find it, unfortunately. Uh, let's say hi to Bobby in Long Island, who's up next here on 9870. Bob, how we doing? Oh, hi, Dan. How are you? Bob, I'm outstanding. What is going on tonight? Well, I'm not. I'm a big Jeff fan, and I was worried about this with a calf injury. He heard it back, I think it was 2016-17. Oh, it's the same calf or same injury, but he's an older player now. Uh, this guy relies on that athleticism. It's not like Brady when he played on that bad knee and won the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I can see a breath 2.0 happening. I mean, he's had a broken toe two years ago. He broke his stuff last year. And, uh, you know, I just see it. I don't see it ending well here with him. What do you think? Well, I mean, you can't you can't look that far ahead yet, Bobby, because, look, I understand when you look at the Jets, it's a star cross history with the franchise. You mentioned the Brett Favre thing. The thing I'll say about Rodgers, the calf thing is, is, by the way, that's that's old news. Like he's back at practice, got his helmet on. He's back with the team working out. Robert Sala said earlier in the week that they hope to have him back Friday. He was out there today throwing, doing his thing. He's fine. Now, is the injury risk a concern? Yeah, it's a concern for every player when you step out on the field to play football. It's no different. And especially like him, who's pushing 40 years of age, the bigger takeaway for me is not just like what could potentially go wrong. It's if something goes wrong. Rodgers don't play. I mean, you look at this Jets team completely differently. Everything that this team hopes to be this year is centered and built around him. Is it not? Like, that's what the confidence stems from. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is an under center and they have to turn to the guy who was the former number two pick in the draft, how is it any different than last year's club? Seriously. Don't you have the same questions? And hell, you don't even have a Mike White anymore to bail you out. He's down in Miami. Rooting for the Heat. Rooting for the Panthers. Artie in Brooklyn. I know Artie's going to be uh, lighting a candle and saying Novena every Sunday, so that doesn't happen, right, Art? Of course, because let me tell you, if this don't work out, but you know what? I, I mean, I am not, okay? I'm not going to be one of these Jet fans that calls up and says, I, you know, I knew it. This was a Brett Favre situation. This is what we all wanted, okay? And even with that, okay, I don't understand how all of a sudden we just think that this team is going to win the division, has to make the playoffs, or else it, I understand it has to make the playoffs or disappointment. But to say, I mean, we have to make the where? Where do they see that? Because of the seven wins, does anybody look back at the season and realize that this team lost to Detroit? And the, I understand that they lost with my um, with uh, Zach. I understand mm-hmm. that. But you know what? On the line, we lost. We lost where it counted on the offensive and defensive line. Quinn Williams didn't play in that game either. Okay, that's fine. And if you think that Quinn Williams would have made that difference, but to me... To me, this is not a defensive, a playoff defensive team. It's not. And I don't know if the difference is going to be in this kid Clark, in the coaching, in the draft pick. I don't know. But this is my worry, um, Dan, and then you can uh, and you give me your opinion, okay? Yep. If the Jets go back and they win eight games, nine games, they don't win, okay? And, they, and the fans go nuts. You can't be firing your coach and starting over. This is not a start-over team. 
You either think that Sally's the coach right now, or you go get somebody that could be the coach. I know you're not going to make that move, but you already know. Like, do you feel confident that Sally is the coach? And if so, yeah. then you got to keep him for the two years. To me, this is a two-year plan. I think I honestly feel Rogers going to be here for the next two years, no matter what. I okay? think if this do year, you feel like Sally is the guy. Yeah, uh, right now you have to think that because Art. Here's the thing, and I and I got I got to run because I got to hit the break here. If they win eight games, which now with the seventeenth game, it's eight and nine. It's a losing season. All wins and losses, all records, all seasons are not created equal. It's you're going to have to write me the story and tell me how they got to the eight nine wins. If this is an injury depleted team, if Rodgers misses time because of injury. Right. And they're just trying to piece this thing together and they somehow get to eight wins. Then you're going to say, well, you know what? The coach did a hell of a job with this team. Just, you know, keeping their head above water, if you will, even though they might miss out on the playoffs and they fall short of their goal. But if like Rogers plays all 17 games and yet somehow, some way this team beats themselves or, you know, they just can't get out of their own way. Then that's another discussion for another time that we're going to have to have about which direction this program is going. Right, but you got to tell me how they get to that point at the end of the year. Look, all I'll say about Rodgers, and from everything I've heard from people, I've only talked to him personally one-on-one behind the scenes for like two minutes. Okay, I haven't picked his brain or anything like that. But just talking to some people in the building that have spent a little bit more time with him, he is all in. The stuff you see on social media and, and out and about and in the news, that is not a, a facade. It's not an act. Like, he, it, it literally, it's like he's reborn again. A change, we, we talk about the term a change of scenery. It literally holds true in this case. It's like he's, a, you know, a, a fifth-year player again, and he's got so much NFL ahead of him. But the NFL is a cruel game. He goes out there, and if he takes a beating this season and can't stay healthy, and then he feels like he's 40 years old when it's all said and done, I don't care where he's playing. I don't care how many concerts Taylor Swift is going to do at MetLife Stadium. Bottom line is he may decide, you know what? I don't want to play football anymore. I'm a four-time MVP. I'm a first-ballot Hall of Famer. I've given a lot to this game, and I can't give any more. Or... Everything goes exceedingly well. He stays healthy. This team makes the playoffs, makes a deep playoff run, and who knows, maybe even plays in a Super Bowl. That could change things. But as he said at the press conference, as long as he's having fun, he'll keep playing. But staying healthy is also part of the fun as well.